Christian Singapore podcast. Hi everyone, my name's Arnie and it's my joy to serve you as we meditate on the Word of God. Christmas is here. Christmas is a time for parties, for get-togethers, for family reunions. And if you're able to travel back to your hometowns to be with your loved ones, it's a blessing that borders are now more open for travel. That's great. Treasure every moment with your family and friends. Christmas is also a time for giving gifts. Of course, before you get to give something, you need to shop. <laughs> so hunt for those best deals, the best sales and discounts. Now, if you missed out on the parties, the gatherings, the discounts, do you feel FOMO, that fear of missing out? Well, here in Singapore, there's a Singlish term for that. It's bocio. Literally, it means no invite or did not invite. In Hokkien, the same sounding word chio is banana. So basically, bo chio is used to describe disappointment that you were not invited. You guys are going to the party? Bo chio. What? You're going to lunch without me? Bo chio. Well, the good thing about the first Christmas is you don't say bo chio. The people during that time cannot say that they were not invited to the first Christmas because there was an invitation given. Today, we'll learn about that invitation during the first Christmas, the extent, the nature, and the responses to that invitation. Well, the first invitation came to one of the lowliest. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The first announcement was made to the shepherds, and this is fitting. The birth of the great shepherd of our souls was first announced to those men whose very work spoke of the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. The glory of God for which Israel had long waited was not revealed to the priest or the Pharisees, but to the shepherds first. And the shepherds were also considered lowly, even shunned by society, possibly because of their looks and their smell. But still, they were invited. Verse 9, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So shepherds have a watchful eye, especially at night, when they stay with the sheep to protect them. They're generally brave and courageous, protecting their flock against thieves, wild animals. However, this divine encounter with an angel of the Lord caused them to be fearful, to be terrified. In fact, the angel had to greet them. In verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news, that will cause great joy for all the people. Now take note of that, all the people. Verse 11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. The Savior has been born. Point number one is the extent of the invitation. Jesus' birth is good news. It's a source of great joy. Let's see the account in Matthew. Because Jesus' birth also extends to all people groups. Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2, 
after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Whether you're up high in society or respected or feared by all, whether you're rich or wise or lowly and poor, the good news for great joy was for all the people. It's an invitation for everyone, even if you're not from Israel, just like this Magi from the East. These wise men or Magi were non-Jews. However, they had the interest and hunger for spiritual things that led them to go and search for Jesus. They waited for the Savior's birth, and when they saw His star, they made their way, traveling long distances to see Jesus for themselves. They risked their own comforts, their own safety, and we'll go back to these wise men later, okay? But we'll fast forward a bit to when Jesus is presented in the temple, where a righteous and devout man named Simeon prophesied what Jesus would be, not just for the Jews, but for the whole of humanity. Luke chapter 2, 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. We see the extent of the birth of Jesus, this invitation, that his birth is a source of great joy and it's for all people groups. And at the same time, Jesus' birth brings God's reconciliation. God's salvation plan is for everyone, for all nations. And the birth of Jesus also brings reconciliation between his people, Israel, as well as the Gentiles. Being followers of Christ, we are also called to be part of this reconciliation. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.18, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's point number two, the nature of the invitation. Jesus' birth is a picture of vulnerability. He came to identify with us, the humankind he created. He identified with our frailty, our vulnerability, and part of the angel's message to the shepherds was this. Back in Luke 2, 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And we should note the simplicity of this. Mary, who delivered the child, definitely without help from any doctor or midwife, just her husband Joseph, had to wrap the child herself. The custom of the day included cleaning and rubbing the baby with uh, oil. Usually, this is olive oil. Then the arms were placed at the baby's side and were wrapped in strips of cloth, or what we call swaddling. And this may portray a kind of paradox since they use a similar process in preparing a body for burial. Now, God chose to come into our world 
as a baby who is vulnerable, who needs help, who needs to be taken care of. And at the same time, the birth of Jesus is also a picture of gentleness and meekness. And let me tell you this, meekness is not weakness, but strength under control. Think about it. Even as a baby, Herod and the religious leaders were already threatened by the presence of Jesus. Jesus' birth is a picture of vulnerability and at the same time, his birth is a picture of humility. Not being born in the palace, but in a manger, which very likely is a smelly place as animals were sleeping and feeding and of course pooping there. He did have a bed, but a feeding throw to lie on. Philippians 2, 6 and following, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is who Jesus is. He is a man who is humble. Part of Mary's song, or what we commonly know now as the Magnificat, is a prophecy that Mary herself uttered on what Jesus would bring as part of his coming. That is why we can see Jesus' birth overturning conventions or human traditions. In Luke 1.51, Mary says here, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. So we see here the kingdom of Jesus is an upside down kingdom where the proud are scattered and opposed, where rulers are brought down, but the humble is lifted up, where the rich are sent away, but the hungry are filled. And this is something the religious and political leaders during that time could not accept. That is why Jesus was a threat to them to their positions and reputations, the reasons that they want to get rid of Jesus, which leads us to point number three, the nature of our response. Let's learn from these early receivers of the invitation on how we could respond to God's invitation for us. Will we prioritize Jesus? Let's go back to Matthew chapter two, verse three. When King Herod heard this and he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So we see here the priests and the teachers of the law, knowing about the Messiah, even quoting a prophetic word from the Old Testament prophet Micah. 
but it ends there. We don't see them going to Bethlehem to find out if it's true, if the Messiah has already really come. It seems that they have no real interest in coming to know the Messiah or if they really want to experience him. They didn't want to let go of the power nor position to make Jesus their priority. Jeremiah 29.13 and 14a, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And this is a good reminder for us to seek God first, make Him our priority, and respond to His invitation. Let us seek Him with all of our hearts. His promise is we will find Him. We will get to know Him more as He reveals more and more of Himself to us. In their religiosity and self-confidence, the religious leaders failed to do that. They missed it. Now contrast this with the shepherds who first heard about the birth of Jesus. Luke 2.15, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The shepherds wanted to know more about what they have received from the angels. Suddenly, there was a shift in their priority from watching their sheep. Now they're going to Bethlehem to see and know Jesus. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Without any second thoughts, they went to Bethlehem right after the announcement of the angels to see and meet Jesus. They acted immediately. How about the Magi? How did they respond when they met Jesus? Back in Matthew 2, verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed when they saw the star. On coming to the house, they saw the child with its mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Magi gave of their best as a form of worship. It's important to note here, the Magi worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus and not Mary. Okay? The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is the right response right and proper response when we receive God's mercy. And worship is not just about singing songs or Christmas carols. It's about living a life that honors God, that pleases God in our words and actions. The nature of our response. Will we prioritize Jesus? Will we worship Jesus? Luke 2, 17 and 18. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds did not keep this good news to themselves. They told others about the Savior being born. And the people were amazed as soon as they heard the story. God opened the hearts of the people 
ready to receive the good news about God's salvation through Jesus. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they were heard and they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The response of the shepherd, the shepherds, is the proclamation of the truth. Meanwhile, for Mary, she treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And these are great reminders for our need to hear and meditate on the word on a regular basis. And as a result of that, to live out what we learn and know, to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the invitation for salvation that Jesus offers. Will we prioritize Jesus? Will we worship Jesus? Will we proclaim Jesus? What happened when you first encountered Jesus? How do you, you respond to his invitation to know him as Lord and Savior? As you share your story, believe that God has already prepared a way for the people to hear your testimony and receive him as Savior and Lord. It's our part to tell the story. It's God's part to open up and change their hearts. Throughout the life and ministry of Jesus, he would give people an invitation to come follow him and he will make us fish for people. To come all those who are tired and weary and heavy laden and he will give rest. To come and we will see him and his glory. To come, walk on water and even come and have breakfast. How will you respond to Jesus' invitation. The extent of the invitation. Jesus' birth is source of good news for great joy for all people groups. Jesus' birth also brings God's reconciliation. The nature of the invitation. Jesus' birth is a picture of vulnerability and frailty. He identified with us. And Jesus' birth is a picture of humility. He did not consider himself God, but took on the form of servant. He came to seek and save the lost. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus' birth overturned natural conventions or the traditions of man. The nature of our response. Will we prioritize Jesus? Will we seek him first and his kingdom? Will we worship him in our thoughts and actions? Will we proclaim Jesus? When we partake communion, we proclaim Jesus' death and resurrection. And not only that, that He is coming back again. Not anymore as a gentle baby, but a mighty warrior king. Until then, let us continue to make Jesus our priority. Worship Him with all of our mind, soul, and strength and proclaim the good news of His salvation that He offers to everyone. 
thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.